0: Now we will have our first message of today by Art Williams, Workings of the Spirit. Thank you, Owen. We just completed two of the first holy days of the year, the Passover and the Days of Unleavened Bread. God's holy days, not man's, God's established forever. A truth understood by sanctified assemblies around the world. The aggregate of the entire holy day season goes well beyond just what we have already experienced until the last great day. It covers from reconciliation to the resurrection and beyond. Going from the beginning of the Bible to the very end. And so I want to look at the key element. key element from reconciliation to the resurrection and beyond is the Holy Spirit, the elements that the Holy Spirit does for us in our lives. And I want to start with the story because it illustrates the importance of it. And the story begins in Luke, and I'm not going to go through the entire, all the scriptures here, but we all know the story where the women came to the tomb in the morning and they found that he wasn't there and they ran back and they told the, the apostles, the disciples, and they went and they found themselves that he wasn't there. And we'll pick up the story in Luke twenty-four thirteen. Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they... Talked together of the things which had happened. And so it was, while they conversing and reasoning, that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained, so that they did, they did not know him. Jumping down to verse 30, <clears throat> excuse me. Now it came to pass, as he sat at table with them, that he took bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were open, and they knew him and he vanished out of their sight. And they said one to another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? So they rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together. It was so important this day at Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was going to come Jesus went out of his way to recover two of them that were leaving Jerusalem so that they would be back there and be part of that assembly. In Acts 1 verses 4 and 5, and being assembled together with them, this Jesus speaking, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem but to wait for the promise of the Father which he said, you have heard from me. For truly John For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So what does the Holy Spirit do for us? There are three spirits. There's a spirit in man, there's a spirit in animals, and there's this Holy Spirit. And they all can work together for his purposes. I want to explore the elements of spirit. There's good and bad parts of them. Some are positive, some are negative. And we have all experienced them. The first one's in Job 32, 17 and 18. And this is the spirit and a person being compelled. This is Job being compelled. I also answer my part. I too will declare my opinion, for I am full of words The spirit within me compels me. He absolutely had to speak. He was bubbling oil, bubbling over at the mouth. He just had to. And if you read the the preceding and the scriptures just after that, you can see how he goes on to explain that. he's absolutely just has to say something about it. And I think we've all been there. Sometimes we open our mouths for the good. Other times we open our mouths for the less than good. In First Chronicles 5.26, it's the spirit being stirred up or motivation. And so the God of Israel stirred up the spirit of Pul, king of Assyria. We'll skip the name because I can't pronounce it. He carried, the, he carried the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh into captivities. He took them to Hara Harbor, Har- Har- Harbor and the river of Gozan to this day. So here... An enemy of Israel was stirred up by God through the Spirit. And we can be revived by the Spirit. Genesis 45:27. But when they told him all these words which Joseph had said to them, and when he saw the carts which Joseph had sent to carry him, this is Jacob his father, the spirit of Jacob, their father, revived. What a sight that must have been when he thought his son was dead. And to find out his son was alive and coming to get him. <laughs> and Deuteronomy verse, chapter 2 verse 30. Stubbornness. But Shihon king of Hasbon, would not let us pass through. For the Lord your God hardened his spirit and made his heart obstinate. That he might deliver him into your hand as it is this day. So here God hardened a person's heart to his own downfall. And in First Samuel, chapter 30, verse 6, we see a bitter soul or a bitter spirit. Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him. Yeah, that would tend to distress you, would it not? I mean, there you are. Somebody knocks on your door and says, Come on out. We're after you. Kind of the western when they go into jail. They string the guy up. Because the soul, spirit, of all the people was grieved. Every man for his sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. And the spirit can be overwhelmed to the point of fainting Psalms 142, verse 3. My spirit was overwhelmed within me. You've all felt that, haven't you? You don't know which way to go, you don't know what to do. Then you knew my path in the way in which I walk. They have secretly set a snare for me. Here again, people were after the individual. And in Psalm 51:17, a broken spirit, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, O oh God, you will not despise. Entire contradiction from perhaps a compelling spirit, a broken spirit, an overwhelming fainting spirit, Exact opposite, perhaps, of a compelled spirit or a stubborn spirit, or a bitter spirit. And then there's the troubled spirit, in John thirteen twenty one. And all of these, if you notice, there's a common thread through all of these: is emotions. Every one of these spiritual aspects that we're talking about here are related to emotions. John thirteen twenty one, the troubled spirit, and Jesus. When Jesus had said these things, he was troubled in spirit and testified and said, Most assuredly I say to you, one of you will betray me. Certainly a moment of revelation for the disciples. And going back into Job, Job chapter 7, verse 11, an anguished spirit. And certainly Job, if you know the story of Job, and we all do, I'm sure, he was in anguish. Therefore, I will not restrain my mouth because he was compelled. I will speak in the anguish of my spirit. I will complain in the bitterness of my soul. He was compelled. He was in anguish, both motivating his spirit. Psalm thirty-four eighteen. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart, and save such as have a contrite spirit. It's easy to read through some of these and understand what's being said, but if you've been in some of these situations, especially this one, had a broken heart than in that situation, it's a lot easier to read the words than it is to have perhaps at that particular instant in time with the broken heart, see that the Lord is near to you. It's a time to cry out to him. It's a time to verify that he is with you. And I know that some of you in here have experienced that because I've spoken with you. And you have experienced some of the same things that I have. And he confirms that he is with you in your broken heart. In Ecclesiastes 7, nine, we find that the spirit can provoke. Do not hasten in your spirit to be angry, for anger rests in the bosom of fools. Every night I listen to the news. I have an issue with that one. So I stopped listening to the news. I watch comedies instead. <laughs> I suppose if I had the right attitude, the news could be a comedy. Proverbs sixteen eighteen, haughtiness. The spirit can be haughty. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Boy, well, you can see that one on the news. You can see that one on the news. emotions all an integral part of the human experience Isaiah fifty-seven fifteen, a lowly spirit thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity whose name is holy I dwell in the high and holy place with him who has a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Hand in glove with the broken heart. Hand in glove. Another reassurance of that. And another reassurance is in Isaiah 66 verse two. For all those things my hand has made and all those things exist, says the Lord. But this one will I look on, one who is poor and of a contrite spirit, who trembles at my word. But there is some good parts of the Spirit. It helps us to rejoice, to rejoice before Him, to see the things that He has done in our lives and in the lives of others, both near and afar. Luke 1.47, in my spirit has rejoiced in God and my Savior. We can hear news from Thailand, Burma, Eastern Europe, even Egypt, where sanctified disciples of Christ experience joyful events with God being right there with them and protecting them. And the spirit can be gentle, First Peter 3, 3 and 4. Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, and putting on a fine apparel. Rather, let it be hidden, the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. Not so much in the political parties. That ends the section on emotions and how the spirit works with emotions. Next, I wanna cover the area of will and desire and how the spirit interacts with will and desire. Numbers fourteen twenty four. Numbers fourteen twenty-four. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in me in him, and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land where he went, and his descendants shall inherit it. different spirit from those men around him, from the society that he was in. And because of that, God was with him and helped him out and made him a promise for his descendants. Here we find in Ezekiel 13.3 that people can follow their own spirit. Thus says the Lord God, Woe to the foolish prophets who follow their own spirit and have seen nothing. False prophets making prognostications from their own perhaps crystal ball. Psalm 51.10 Steadfastness Curate in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Heart of unleavened bread. Renew, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Reconciliation, a steadfast spirit for the upcoming year, to follow God, to be strongly following him, to be more dedicated than the year before. If we can even adequately see that in ourselves, perhaps we need a spiritual mirror for him to reveal to us the aspects of our own steadfast, renewed spirit, or perhaps our deficiencies. In Psalm fifty-one, twelve, restore me to the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit, generous spirit. You know, sometimes his generous spirit may be to somebody for somebody else, and we are the tool by which he affects that generosity, and we may not know it at the time. If you've been there, done that experience, it's like it's kind of a unique situation because, at least in my in my experiences, has been. Grumble, grumble, grumble. I don't want to be doing this. Why am I over here? And then in the end, I see what happened, and I was nothing but a tool or a cog in the wheel. So it kind of changes at least my attitude in looking back and restored to me the joy of your salvation of holding me by your generous spirit because I saw what his generous spirit did not because it was for me, but because it was for somebody else, and I had an influence. In making that happen. Isaiah twenty nine, twenty-four. A wayward spirit. These also who erred in spirit will come to understanding, and those who complained will learn doctrine. There's a scripture I didn't write it down. I think it's in Isaiah nineteen. I think I wrote it down anyway. I'm planning to go there. I'll just reference. You can look it up. I didn't give it to Rick. It's in Isaiah 19, 22, 24 it Talks about in the future when Egypt and Assyria and Israel will be as one before God. They won't. They will all come to the truth. And he says in there, "I will spite. I will smite Egypt." with healing. Interesting way to say it. This Isaiah 29-24 kind of applies there. These also who erred in spirit will, will come to understanding and those who complained will learn doctrine. And that's The last of the section on will and desire. I want to go now to intellect with the spirit. Psalm 77, verse 6. I call to remembrance my song in the night, I meditate within my heart. And my spirit makes diligent search, inquiring, meditating, searching, learning. I was meditating in my bed last night and I came up with something rather bizarre, I guess. Depends. You've all seen the movie, probably or heard about the movie, iRobot. And I was thinking last night in my mind, if society goes long far enough and with artificial intelligence and robots coming on the scene, does it get to the point where the nations of the world make their armies out of robots? And could it be that the 200 million man army spoken of in Revelation are the robotic armies of the nations whose program has been altered by a higher power And they turned upon their own governments. Just a musing of the Knights of Art Williams. (laughs) So the iRobot armies attacked their own government. Press the reset button. Stop them. turn Turn the software off. Nothing's working, sir. They're still coming. Anyway. And I wasn't dreaming when I came up with that. I was awake. That could be scary. And I want to go to God's interface then with the spirit and how he helps us through that interface. Haggai one fourteen. Here we see God, again, stirring up the spirit. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Jehiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehoshaphat, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. That's the part I really wanted to key in on. And the spirit of all the remnant of the people. So, this was in mass, and they came and they worked in the house of the Lord, their God. Unity through the Spirit to accomplish a purpose. Proverbs 20, 27. The Spirit of man is a lamp of the Lord, searching all the inner depths of his heart. Wow, the Spirit of man, that's how he sees who you are a lamp to your soul. Also, what the Holy Spirit modifies and works with. Searching all the inner depths of his heart. He knows best who you are, what you are, why you did what you did, whether you didn't really intend to do what you did. You know, you. Have, you, you those of you who have children, or have had experience with children, have probably had the experience with one of them sometime where they do something that's Less than right, and they know it, and and they say to you, "I didn't want to do that. That's not what I wanted to do," and they're in tears. You know, we're all kind of in that boat, whether we're six years old or sixty years old. Ezekiel thirty six twenty six. He gives a new spirit. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh along with the new spirit. That's the direction the world's going. You know, I've, you listen to the news again and I've never heard so many people who like to open their mouth and make a show of their ignorance. It's amazing. In some some cases, it's held up as, wow, this person really knows something. A heart of stone is the direction that the world's going, and it's going to get worse before it all comes to an end. It's part of the world we live in, John 3, 6 and 7. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. In Romans 8, verses 16. The spirit himself bears witnesses with our spirit that we are children of God. Now there is an interesting Interface and interworking between the Holy Spirit and our spirit, an amalgamation of the two, and it bears witness bears witness to us, bears witness to Him who we are, what we are, the children of God. In Ecclesiastes 12, verse 7 then the dust will return to the earth as it was and the spirit will return to God who gave it. When we turn to dust, the spirit goes back to him. But that's not the end of it. Because there is the resurrection. And that 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses, could be 9 through 16. I don't know if I'll read them all. Maybe I will. Starting in verse 9. But it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Now we do know a little bit don't we, from the scriptures. though we probably most assuredly don't know all of it. Verse 10, and here is where he verifies that we do know some of it. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. Here, the spirit searches, evaluates, examines, identifies, tries and tests, learns, experiences the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of man which is in him? That's what man operates off of. Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. So when you get the spirit of God coupled with the spirit of man, you have an integration. Now we can learn spiritually. We can walk the spiritual walk. We can be led by the spirit. We can do things that will please him. We can have the correct attitude that will please him. Where we get a new focus, focus on pleasing him, rather than getting a $400 hairdo or a $75,000 car. Now we have received, not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. What? What? that we might know the things that have been freely given, mean, we can't know otherwise, that's what it says. Now we have received, not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. It is the spirit from God that makes us know the things that have been freely given to us. If you have the spirit of the world, you can't understand it. It's, as they said, it's Greek to me. That applies only if you're not Greek, of course. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches. Comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Interesting. Comparing spiritual things with spiritual. The variableness of the situations that we are in, even spiritually, need evaluation as to what, method, what steps we go, decisions that we make, comparing spiritual things (laughs) with spiritual things. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Again, the Holy Spirit, working with man's spirit gives the spiritual discernment. But he who is spiritual, and it says in the King, New King James, judges all things, perhaps a better word there is examines. Judges, uh, judgment is a, a good subject as a separate study all to in itself because you've got condemnation, you've got decision making, you've got examinations and so on. But he who is spiritual examines all things Yet he himself is rightly judged, examined by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? Question mark. But we have the mind of the Lord. From reconciliation to the resurrection, to tabernacling with God, to the new heaven and the earth, the kingdom of God, and what he has planned for man beyond, which I personally believe is fulfilling the universe. The Holy Spirit is the key. It's the key for a relationship with him. It's the key for helping us to evaluate where we are at with him. And by focusing on it, learning about it, using it, we can be more pleasing him and have a better more productive spiritual life